Hey everyone, and welcome to the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Lance Haas. Our goal with this podcast is for Team Fairchild to get to know each other, our support programs, and to increase our sense of community and development. Every episode, we'll be interviewing people from around the base and learning about them, as well as their keys to success. So today on the show, I'm really excited because we have Chief Reem from AMXS. He's AMXS Chief. Helps me out a lot doing all the professional development classes Great teacher, great talker. How's it going, Chief? Good, good. Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. It's an awesome opportunity to kind of get to know people, like you said, and, and uh, yeah. kind of get other, different people's perspectives and kind of the way that they do things. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Very thanks. Excited. Let's uh, Let's hope it's a success and hope people like it. So, people out there listening, that's your cue to give me feedback on what we can do better. Let us know how you got here. Let us know your story. Obviously, you're a chief. You're a young chief, so... You had some drive to get there, so walk us through what that looked like. Yeah, so I joined the Air Force in 1993, uh, September uh, 24th to be exact. So 26 years ago, a little over 26 years ago, so I was aircraft maintenance. I started out on uh, C-130, so I've been flight line maintenance my entire career. I've right never on. done anything outside of that, uh, which is... To me, I consider myself fortunate that I was able to do that because I know I have a lot of friends yeah. that have not been able to do that. They they jump, as you well know, aircraft to aircraft, and you know, so Absolutely. you're, you're kind of all over the place. But for me, I, I've been fortunate enough to stay on the flight line. Didn't necessarily get to stay with my first aircraft, but you know, got to stay with that. Uh, so I started out at Little Rock. I spent eight and a half years at Little Rock, and then from there went to Herbert Field. So I worked the model. Uh, 130s at Little Rock, and then jumped over to H model gunships at Herbert Field. So nice. did that for about six years, uh, give or take. And then um, from there, I got the opportunity to go up to FTD and be an instructor. So I actually teach mm -hmm. uh, people how to work on aircraft, right? How to be familiar with aircraft and that kind of stuff. So I ended up uh, going up there, spent about four and a half years up there. So I ended up teaching H model gunships, U model gunships, Talon ones, Talon twos, Papa models. You name it. Holy I mean, crap. E models, H models, H1s, 2s, 3s. So, you know, we, we it was really cool because we had the opportunity to, to really just teach everything. We had the FAM classes, which were, you know, spec ops specific yeah. aircraft. Yeah. But then you had the <laughs> officer FAM course, pro super course that allowed you to kind of just teach 130 stuff on your own. And the cool thing was you kind of could build it however you wanted. So nice. So nice. it was really neat. That was a, a really cool opportunity. I learned a lot. I grew a lot up there. Uh, and so I think that kind of set me up to kind of do the things that we do now Yeah. when we do the senior NCOP or the NCOP or even the FTAC and we do those building blocks, team building uh, or, or uh, motiv uh, team building and motivation. Yep. And then uh, the other one with the feedback. And, and so it, it, all that kind of stuff, it played into, you know, being able to actually stand up in front of somebody and competently speak to them about whatever <laughs> the subject is. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so it was good. And then uh, the H model gunships moved from there to Cannon. So when I came out of the debt, uh, they pretty much said, hey, look, there's no place for you. So you, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to go. So ended up BOPing down to McDill. And uh, that was, that was where I got the 135 start. So <laughs> I got there. Nice. I was a section chief down there. Tech and sergeant? then I got there as a master. Okay. Yeah. I got there as a master sergeant. And then, uh, was a section chief for a while, and then they moved me from section chief over to production. So I expedited a little bit when I was at Herbert Field, a couple of years when I was there before I came off the flight line. Mm -hmm. So kind of knew that whole thing, right? A little different being on the 135 between the 135 oh, yeah. and 130s. Huge difference, right? And even yeah. in the way that we operate, who our customer is, the whole nine yards, that's 
completely different, you know, airframe to yeah. airframe. So yeah. got back into the production swing of things and then uh, made senior and became the lead pro super. So it was kind of like, wow, I'm not even 100% sure on how to pro soup on this airframe. And now all of a sudden now I'm the lead pro super. So now I've got 13, 14 pro super expediters that are wow. underneath me, which was a huge challenge for me because there were folks in that shop that I looked up to that were kind of teaching me how to be a pro super. You know, remember Herbert Field, I was an expediter. And, and yeah, I could do the, the pro super stuff, but mm -hmm. I had at the very most six aircraft on station at a time because there was always one at depot or two at depot or something like that, you know, and, and of course that's yeah. pre 9-11, but, um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, or actually it was post 9-11, but, but so we had two off, off station all the time. And, um, so it's easy to do that different mission, different mission set. Obviously we, we fly the nighttime is the right time, you know, for, for the, for the gunships. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's just, it, there's a, it's a lot different to try to steer this in this mission set versus trying to steer, you know, on a 135, the mission set, like we said, our, our customers are totally different. We're yeah. very customer driven where, you know, in AFSOC, we weren't necessarily customer driven. We were go blow things up driven. And so, <laughs> you know, we, we created our own flying schedule. We did our own thing. If ops needed, you know, training for this or that, then we did a mission and went out and blew things up and they got their, you know, their, their quals. So here our quals all revolve around our customer. You know, so yeah. it's a little different yeah. trying to steer the mission here than it is there. But um, a little bit less control that way. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You really do. Um, and then I got that squared away, uh, kind of did the, the lead pro thing for a couple of years. And then, uh, I went over to the AMU to be the AMU superintendent, or I should say went up to the AMU to be the AMU superintendent. Okay. And then from there, went over to QA to be the superintendent, made chief, uh, spent a little time in MXO or, uh, just to kind of, you know, in that transition between there and here yep. and then, yep. uh, and then came here. So we've been here almost two years, June will be two years that I've been at Fairchild. So little wow. different than uh, Florida warm weather, but uh, <laughs> as we but, sit and look out yes, at the snow, as yeah. it's snowing <laughs> and there's inches out there, but um, but you know that too brings its challenge. So making that transition from the flight line to the the to FTD to the debt teaching, being an instructor, then making that transition to a totally different airframe, learning how to do things on that airframe that you had never done before, and then you know now the mission set once again. Here we are changing again. And so now we're yeah. up here where it's not 90 degrees year round and it's not, you know, fair weather flying every day except between three and five o'clock because that's when the storms roll in. And so it's, you know, it's been a constant learning process on this aircraft. I f you feel like, you know, your first love is always your first love. You get that, you just, you, you understand <laughs> it. You know what makes it run, you know? And, and yep, so yep, yep, you're yep. able to <laughs> kind of set yourself up uh, to that mission set. And so you get really good at that mission set. And then, of course, you're younger, so you're more into turning the wrenches. And so you're actually mm -hmm. hands-on the aircraft. Well, then as you promote, you kind of promote yourself away from the flight line, which is a struggle for most of us. That's hard to do. You know, when you have oh, your yeah. own aircraft, you're a flying crew chief, that can be difficult. Just it, it, that jump in and of itself to say, hey, look, I'm a transition and I'm going from, you know, maybe leading a small team, but working on the flight line to now all of a sudden I'm leading a little larger team, but I'm not necessarily on the flight line all the time because now I'm doing more of the the 
the the leadership piece of it, the the admin, you start to learn yeah. the admin piece of it, right? You're not putting together an EPR in five minutes and slinging it to your supervisor, and then you just forget about it because you never see it again. You know, meanwhile your <laughs> supervisor's like, "This is hot garbage. What do I do with this?" You know, so you weren't really thinking about you know growing, you know, in oh, your yeah. experiences. You were just you know, you just wanted to work on a flight line and that's it. And that's all that really mattered. And so, um, obviously the more, the more we promote ourselves, then, you know, the less we get to do that. And so, like I said, that's, <laughs> that could be a struggle for some people, but, um, uh, changing airframes is when you don't have the ability to go backwards and to learn that aircraft, Yeah. you know, you're, you're, you sit down at a production meeting and people are talking about parts and components and, you have no clue what any of that is. You don't know what any of it means, right? Yeah, because yeah. for me, coming off of a turboprop, I mean, yes, jet engine is in there in the core, but <laughs> but the yeah, components a, are not the same thing. And you know, yeah. well, a little different, a little different, yeah, yeah, yeah a lot different. So, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, we've been here almost two years now, and so uh, it's been a good transition. It's like I said, it, it the 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 mission set there while it's one thirty fives, you know, down in Florida. And it's 135s here. It's a little more challenging here because we don't have that fair weather. You know, if you could yeah. just sit down and come up with a flying schedule, you know, down there at McDill and um, pretty much not fly from, say, 1500 to 1800, 1830 uh, window, then you've really got nothing to worry about. It's a piece of cake. You know, as long as you can avoid those summer storms, then it's not too bad. But yeah. here, We've only got a couple months of that fair weather flying, and then we have to battle the de-icing, and then we have to battle the the freezing fog, and you know yeah. all of that kind of stuff. So that's a that's a big change, uh, you know, the environmentally. That's a huge change, and and as a crew chief, when you're not used to that kind of stuff, that could be really big. You know, you think about yeah. some of our young folks that are th- the three level crew chiefs that have gotten here. There, you know, we have people from all over. There's people down at the AMU that are from Florida. We got people from Texas. We got people from all over the place. Yeah. Not all of those places are cold weather places. So now they're having to figure out how to live in this environment, how to drive in this environment. And yeah. so I feel like I'm right there with them because <laughs> I had to learn all of that stuff myself. I, so. got, I got a hijack for just a quick story about that. I remember sitting in the flight chief position. There was a kid that was from Florida. And he calls me up one of the first cold mornings, you know, young kid, never really been out of Florida. And he called me up. He's like, Sergeant Haas, I can't come to work today. My car is frozen. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, you know, he's in the dorms. Maybe somebody played a prank on him or something. And no, it just frosted. And the frost is on his car, obviously, you know, right. and he'd never seen that right. before. So he, he was flipping out, trying to figure out what to yeah. do, you know, and I get it, you know. It's an adjustment to yeah. to deal yeah. with that cold weather. It's, it's huge, and then to think, you know, so think about, so it's an adjustment to to just live in it, right? But then we got to figure out how to drive in it, how to do all the other kind of stuff. But think about these young maintainers when they get here; they're out on that flight line six and a half, seven, you know, eight hours in an eight hour shift. They typically spend six to six and a half, maybe seven hours out there on the flight line. Mm-hmm. So. You're trying to figure out how to survive in that environment also. It's not just about being able to write. Any of us can bundle up, over bundle, right? And yeah. then you walk out like Stay Puff Marshmallow, man. You can't do anything. <laughs> as you, you know, you get in your car, you're like, wow, I can't even drive. Yeah. But, but then to think, think about that maintainer on that line that's trying to learn their job, that's trying to learn that skill, trying to learn that craft, they are out there literally freezing all day long, you know? And yeah. that's, 
And and welcome to the Air Force, right? Yeah. <laughs> welcome and, to maintenance. And then, you know, the stuff that they're not just looking, they're changing parts and they're doing right. stuff that you need that right. dexterity in their fingers. Right. And and then so you yeah. go out there with these crazy gloves and stuff on, and you, you like you said, that you don't have that dexterity. You can't take a simple – everything becomes a struggle, right, when it gets cold. You, oh, yeah. You can't just take yeah. a screw out. <laughs> because that glove is, doesn't allow you to grab that screw or to try to take a scribe to do something with a scribe. You know, you got you just don't have that dexterity that you have yeah. without those gloves. So huge change, huge change. Absolutely. So what do you think has been like the hallmarks? So what have, what have you focused on maybe two or three things that have driven you so far to, to be this successful in your career? Well, I think part of what drives it is uh, is, the, is the folks. It's the people that I work with, right? So wow, I always yeah. say I work for those people. I don't. Those people don't work for me. I get it. I'm the chief. I'm the superintendent of the squadron. But if I didn't have those people, then I wouldn't have a job. So really, who's working for whom at that point? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the people, I always said that I would do this until it wasn't fun anymore, right? And, and, and I... You know, to a degree, I guess everybody wakes up and, and at some point in time you just decide it's just not fun. Yeah. To me, it's still fun. It, it's still it's still cool to be down in the squadron and to be around those folks and to be able to communicate with those folks and learn from those folks and see what those folks are doing. So to me, it's always been about the people and and making sure that my people have what they need to 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 to, to accomplish the mission. Yeah. And so uh, that's not always easy. <laughs> obviously and there's there's probably some that will <laughs> hear our conversation and be like he's not getting that for us uh so you know things take time sometimes but it's been the people and then for me something that i always try to pass on to people is just don't forget where you came from right understand what it's like to be out there in that freezing cold and to be working and while yes i, I was not working in the freezing cold in florida uh the 13 plus deployments that I've been on have not always been to warm weather. And so, you know, you, you, you get to experience that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it's remembering what it's like to be that new person. Remember what it's like to not really know 110% what you're doing, not being able to find things in TOs, you know, just needing that help to function. Imagine, think back, if you will, to when you first got here or to where your first base, wherever that was, think back, you know, you're it's day one, there's there's <laughs> yeah. Airman Haas and Airman Ream, and they've walked up to wherever the building is that they're supposed to be at, if they know that building, right? Yeah. And for some people, uh, you know, to to drive to that first duty location, and you go through those front gates, and, you know, first thing you see is a defender, and you're like, yeah, look at that person looking all sharp, you know? Oh, yeah. And so, but then once you get through that front gate, you have no idea where you're going. You don't know where the building is. I mean, even when I got here, I didn't know where the building was. Thank goodness for Sergeant Wareham. So, you yeah. know, I was able to find a place. But but it's just – it's things like that. It's being able to relate back to that, you know. It, yeah. it's, it's not getting away from when that young airman, like you said, that called and said, hey, my car is frozen. It's understanding what they're going through. It's understanding what they mean and yeah. being able to say, hey, I got you. I understand. You know, here, yeah. here, let me, why don't you let me come over there and I'll help you out a little bit. I'll show you how we defrost it and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think sometimes you get, you get to whatever the point is where you forget that or you forget that you're working for these folks mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of – you can no longer uh, – associate yourself with that right you can know you to you that's not a that's not a thing that you think about and so you get someplace uh and 
you just kind of forget what it's like to be new, right? Because new people are constantly cycling in, cycling oh, yeah. in, cycling yeah. in, right? And and an airman comes up and they're like, oh, I need new boots. And, you know, I, my boots are scuffed. And you're like, geez, I just bought these boots for you six months ago. Well, remember when you were out there kicking things around and doing things on the flight oh, line yes. and actually working, right? <laughs> yeah. And so when they come in and, and your boots are black, you, you know, be able to relate to that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, it's just – it's. It's caring for them. It's caring for those people, right? And that's that's the part of never forgetting where you came from. That's the the piece that I don't want people to remember is remember what that felt like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, you know, what it's like to be in that situation and how alien that felt to you, how foreign that was to you to be yeah. someplace, right? I mean, you go through basic training. And then they tell you, oh, you know, you get to tech school. And then you go to tech school and they're like, oh, you know, you're going to the real Air Force, the real Air yeah. Force, right? I love that, yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden you find yourself in the real Air Force and you're like, good Lord, I don't even know where to go in the real Air Force. It's so big and it's so, you know. <clears throat> Training wheels uh, are off. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. And here yeah. you are, adult, you know, <laughs> airman. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. We've equipped you with the tools. Now go out there and, you know, be successful. So um, it's just being able to relate to that kind of stuff and, and to be able to take care of those folks. Uh, you know, how they need it. And, and it's the same thing, you know, maintenance is, it's a rough career field. It's a rough place to be sometimes. Yeah. If, the, if the environment is not enough, then some of the people you work with, you know, just good Lord. So it takes all <laughs> kinds. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it, it's, it's being able to relate to that airman. And, and so, you know, sometimes when you're trying to train somebody, you can get a little frustrated because, they're not going fast enough or they're not, you know, doing it in a way or if you had to snap the safety wire off three times to have to re-safety wire it, you know. So you have those kinds of yeah. things. And so, you know, things are a little different in the maintenance world and the way we train and how we do things is a little different than what you might find in some other career fields. And for some people, that's just hard. It's hard to get yeah. through that. Uh, and so when you do get through it and you are on the other side of it and you are in a totally different role like I am now where you're kind of – steering the squadron you know obviously off of what the boss wants but as you're you know kind of steering through that it's still yeah. being able to remember back to that to that young airman and to be able to say hey look i got you yeah. right i remember what it was like and this is what i did right the funny thing yeah. about what we go through you know if you think about how you grow up in the air force from that airman all the way up to a, a chief or whatever it is um you get to that point and you think back across your career or as you're coming up in that career and you're kind of like man you have this problem, but to you, you're the only one in the world that's ever had this problem. And nobody else could obviously understand what it is because your problem is this. Nobody's ever seen this before, right? And it's, oh, a simple, yeah. it's as yeah. simple as waking up late or, you know, too many bills and, and I'm, I'm behind payment on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Past due or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, it's being able to communicate to, to, to that young airman and just saying, hey, look, relax. It's okay. We got you. These things yeah. happen. Here's why. This is how we solve this. We have an awesome financial planner on base. And, you know, just being able to help those people out with those things. And so that's kind of what I mean about remembering where you came from. You know, don't let yourself oh, yeah. get too far about, away from where you grew up. And for us, growing up has, has been on the flight line. That's where we grew up. Yeah. That's where we learned how to be adults. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard, but there was definitely some grace in there, too. Sure. Of, sure. Yeah. We're going to make, you know, cut that safety wire on you 15 times because you didn't do it right. But then at the same time, they're going to pick you up and understand, yeah, articulate, this is what you're going through and this is why. Ask me how I know. 
Absolutely. I did the same thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's just it's just learning how to function out there. And you know, a lot of it too is it goes a lot further than that. Think about some back to some of the supervisors you had in your career. Not only did they teach you how to be a good crew chief, they taught you how to be a man. They taught you how to be a good father. They taught you how to be a good friend. And so yeah. that's huge. You know, it, when you think back up to the people that molded you into who you are, you know, that, that becomes part of your life. I mean, it, it's just, it's huge. Yeah. And so, you know, wanting to be that person that, that helped me get to where I am, I can still remember the core group of, of seven level crew chiefs at Little Rock that kind of molded me into who I was and showed me what was right and showed me what yeah. wasn't wrong and why it was, <laughs> why it was not right, you know? And, and so without those people, you know, those are life lessons that you maybe didn't, wouldn't have learned. Um, and I still yeah. to this day tell stories about those guys, um, in the crazy things that we did or <laughs> didn't do and, you know, yeah. problems that we solved <laughs> and how we came about those. But, um, but yeah, you know, that, that's, that's those guys not forgetting where they came from. That's those guys being heads up and yeah. saying, Hey, look, don't do this. You know, it's kind of cool when somebody gives you just enough rope to where you almost, you know, snatch yourself off the ground and, and let you run out to that line and say, Hey, whoa, 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 don't do this because this was what will happen. You know, do yeah. this because this will have a better outcome yeah. for you. you At know? that point, they're close enough to the train wreck that they can see it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And like you said, they've been there. And so they're, yeah. they're passing that on. So, yeah, listen to what they're saying because they've been there. They understand, right? It's like being a parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't understand why i got to do this. Well, just trust me. You'll see it in three, two, ones, crash. <laughs> there you go. You know, so, nice. yeah. So it's about the people. It's about remembering where you came from. And I kind of heard in there, and, you know, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Chief, but I kind of heard there a sense of duty and a, a sense of purpose of, or responsibility to serve. Sure. Is that, I think that's easy to find in the maintenance career field. It's, it, it's easy. It's not, it's not fair to just say it's in the maintenance career field. It's easy to find that in the Air Force as oh, a whole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes you don't maybe understand how you fit into that piece of the puzzle or how you fit in to make that mission go. It's easy for a maintainer because you launch the aircraft and you stand there and watch it take off. And then you watch it come back down again and you catch it and you do whatever you got to do, right? But yeah. for other people, you know, that it may not be that simple it may not be that they can see that and have that tangible piece of whatever it is to know that you're part of the team and know that yeah. that your piece of the puzzle is huge because without you we couldn't make it happen you know and so um I, like i said I, I think it's a little easier in a maintenance career field but because you can have that visual you know yeah oh, yep there it goes we're good right? instant reward right there right yeah. it, it's go it's gone so there's instant verification that it you know that i've done something right so but I think you learn a lot of that, too, when you get the opportunities to go TDY, when you get the opportunities to deploy, especially when we're deployed. Uh, it doesn't, you know, everybody, it's one team, one fight, right? Oh, yeah. And so everybody, yeah. everybody is trying to figure out, you know, how to keep the mission going, how to keep the machine rolling. You know, in some of the places that we deploy to, you know, that that's, there's a lot of people and there's a lot of things going on there and, and so it takes a lot of people to get the, to keep that that mission rolling but you know if you if you just kind of take a break for a second just take a breath and think about it you know when, when you're when you're over there and we're all deployed together it, it's just a machine rolling it's just accomplishing the mission keeping it going keeping it going keeping it going day in and day out you know each little piece you accomplish mm -hmm. this and accomplish this and accomplish this and so i think when we get home sometimes though we get back into that 
tribal mentality where you go back to maintenance and you're like, oh, yep, these are my people. You know, or you go back to finance and you're like, oh, yeah, controllers, these are my people. You know what I mean? Yeah. LRS, yeah. whatever it is, uh, you just you kind of go back to your people that have everything in common with you. And then we kind of forget about all the stuff that we learned while we were deployed and we kind of forget about, you know, what the defender feels like because they're also out there baking on that flight line or freezing on that flight line or you know doing what it is that they do or lrs and you know there's equipment going on and just you know there's it's crazy but it seems like it's it's kind of cool to me because it seems like we always we don't know people you know you may know uh people that you deploy with right because we kind of go into small groups but the larger piece of that you don't know and when you get there, there's even going to be people that you're working with, but you don't know. But it always amazes me how we can deploy and kind of we're an instant team. Yeah. It doesn't matter what base you came from. It, do, it just it doesn't matter. You're just your yeah. instant team. You know what I mean? And so and so being able to see that, that's that, you know, that sense of duty. That's that, you know, just kind of all wraps up into that, right? They've always told us from, from even when, from way back when we were young that, hey, you're going to learn far more when you're deployed than you are at home station. Yeah, and part yep. of that reasoning is because of the things that that happen. Not that not that the aircraft breaks any differently. It's the frequency of flights or sorties that we have versus the amount of aircraft that we have versus you know the, all that other stuff. So the things are coming at you much faster than yeah. than at home station where you're you know pretty standard. Yeah, and it's it's not like a training line where you can be like, well, sorry, it ain't gonna happen because of X, Y, or Z. It's, right. No, if this doesn't happen. That X, Y, or Z is now a very, that's a life impacting X, Y, or Z. Sure. You know, versus sure. a, okay, somebody didn't get called, we'll have to generate another mission tomorrow. No, somebody could die from that. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a must do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we must pay that bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and I think that just kind of pushes everybody to be that team, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you understand that if you don't get it right, then that affects so-and-so and affects so-and-so and affect, you know what I mean? Think about when that aircraft lands, all the stuff that we go through. So one of the very first things we need is POL, you know? Well, if POL is out taking a break and I don't get it, well, then I could possibly miss my turn line or I could possibly, you know, so mm-hmm. it's a it's a team function and, and it, you know, it's, we don't always think as a team. You know, sometimes we do yeah. as a team, but we don't always think as a team, but... Um, yeah, it's, so it's it's that sense of duty, that sense of belonging, that that sense of something that's much bigger than you. And I think when you deploy, you really get the chance to see that that it is so much bigger than you. There's so much more going on than just you. Mm-hmm. You're a very small piece of it. I am a very small piece <laughs> of what goes on, even in in that squadron. You know, of of uh, of accomplishing that mission. I you know I have the, a very small piece of that. That the, it's the folks that I work for. They're the ones that that are making that mission happen. They're the ones that are putting the wrenches on those parts and making sure that aircraft is fixed and it's safe and it's reliable, you know, and we make it happen day in and day out. So, yeah. Any final attacks, Chief? I mean, we could talk all day, for sure. Yeah, we probably yeah. could. We probably <laughs> could. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, take care of the people. When you understand how to help the people, when you understand how to take care of the people, you know, it makes things a lot easier for you, right? If If... If you're taking care of the folks and you're making sure that they have what they need to accomplish the mission, once you've done that and you've given them the tools to do it, then step back and be out of their way. Because they know far more than you do about what's going on <laughs> and what they need to do to make it happen. And so just get out of their way, right? I understand you may be a chief or you may be an officer, whatever it is. 
you know, if you've given those people the tools, then then give them the tools and get out of their way and let it happen, right? Just 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 let them do the mission, right? They're very smart individuals. They're very smart people. They know what's going on. So just kind of get out of their way and let them do it, right? Back in the day, you know, you, you, uh, we, call, we called it micromanagement. I guess we still kind of go that way a little bit with the yeah. micromanagement. But over time, we've got a little creative, a little more creative as to how we micromanage people. And, you know, no, nobody likes that. Nobody wants to be micromanaged. Nobody wants to be a part of that. So, no. Yeah. Just, I know what I'm doing. Let, yeah, let absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. As a supervisor, you know, as a, as a leader within that organization, you know, like I said, make sure that they have the tools to do the job and then just get out of their way and let them do it. It, it's it's uh it'll be pretty amazing to you how much uh give them give them that opportunity to shine shine give them that opportunity to show you what they know you know and just stay out of their way and let them do it uh it, you don't have to be hands-on and you know like i said the, those people know far more than you do about the task that they're about to accomplish so <laughs> just kind of step out of the way and you know let them get it done let them amaze you with their yes. ability yes yes well yeah. thank you chief i appreciate yeah. it you are amazing it's great talking with you like always yeah appreciate it so that's it this is uh the refuel team fairchild podcast again i'm your host master and lance haas if you have a show idea or anybody that you would like to hear from on this show please contact us at refuel team fairchild at gmail.com